Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In the very last chapter of his treatise on freedom of choice, Anselm is going to make a five-fold distinction between different types or fundamental sorts of this freedom of choice. And the first distinction that he's going to draw separates out God from all other creatures. And he's not actually going to say that much about the divine freedom at this point, other than to tell us that one type of freedom of choice is unoriginated, or there's other ways of translating that, I say, meaning it comes from itself, and it's not created, it's not facta, it's not received from another, ab aliquo akepta. And as Anselm tells us, that type of freedom only pertains to one being, or if you like, it's not three beings in the Trinity, but there's triunity there, right? She talks about in the Monologian. And so this is the only thing that that sort of uncreated freedom applies to. And that's all he really has to say about that topic at that point. Then he goes into some other distinctions that have to do with created. And notice, not all created beings, only created rational beings. And so that only includes two types of beings, human beings and the good and bad angels. So he talks about freedom of choice that is in fact created and received. It's created by God. It's received from God by the creatures that have it. And so the first fundamental distinction breaking this down that Anselm makes is between freedom of choice that does have uprightness, uh, rectitudo, also translated as rectitude, rightness, a lot of different ways. Justice is another way in which Anselm talks about this in a very expansive sense of the term justice. So freedom of choice that does have uprightness and freedom of choice that does not have or that lacks uprightness. And uprightness of what? Uprightness of will. Anselm defines justice as uprightness of will maintained for its own sake. So some beings that have freedom of choice, it's combined with this, or it can be said to have this because freedom of choice is in fact the ability to keep that very rightness, that very rectitudo. So let's look at the first division that he talks about. He breaks that down into two other groups as well. So freedom of choice that does have uprightness, and he talks about so as to be able to lose it, or in, in the Latin, separabiliter, where the rectitude or rightness could be separated from that freedom of choice. Or in other words, the ability to keep rightness of will for its own sake could be lacking that rightness of will. It doesn't actually lack it, but it could lack it. Why would it lack it? Well, because somebody would give it up. Somebody would abandon it to use Anselm's terminology. So who does this apply to? Well, uh, good humans in this life, people who actually do have rectitude of will and therefore ought to keep it, but might not. 
Maybe they go along as, you know, some of the monks that Cassian talks about in his conferences and institutes who are doing great until their final days. And then, you know, they abandon rectitude and go off and do whatever they're going to do. Well, that's a possibility for them, right? It's also a possibility, a possibility that no longer exists, but a possibility that did exist, according to Anselm, for the angels before they committed themselves one way or another. There's a, a nice framing for this. All the angels before the good ones were confirmed and the evil ones fell. Right, So that's one division of this. And then freedom of choice that does have uprightness in such a way so as not to be able to, to lose it in separabilitaire, where it's now become part of that and has been confirmed. Here he talks about the elect and he uses the, you know, the term electus, right? Elect angels and humans, the chosen. And really not just God, that God has chosen them, but they chose to be the way that they were supposed to be, to hold on to that rectitude, that rightness. So they are confirmed in that. That'd be the angels that are good now because they can't you know, change in that respect and humans who have died and died with that rectitude and now have it for all of eternity. So good for, for those two groups, right? One can lose it, one cannot lose it. Then we have freedom of choice that does not have uprightness of will where it could, if that uprightness were given back to it, it could accept that uprightness of will and maintain it for its own sake. But in point of fact, it does not have it. And here he talks, again, makes an important distinction between those who are able to recover it and those who are unable to recover it. So those who are able to recover it, he uses the Latin term recuperabiliter, in such a way as to be able to recuperate it, right? Where they can receive it back. That would be bad people, people that are lacking justice in their will, rightness of will at this point in time. He says, uh, characterizes only human beings who lack it during their lifetime. And he says, many may not recover it. And then in that case, they would fall into the, the second class. He says, the freedom of choice, which does not have uprightness of will and is not able to recover it is characteristic of reprobate. And that's just, you know, actually the Latin term that's being used there, condemned angels and human beings. Reprobate angels after the fall, so now, and human beings after their lifetime. And the, the word that he uses there to, talking about inability to recover it, irrecuperabiliter, in such a way as it cannot be recovered. So they have sort of, you know, stuck themselves ontologically into a condition that they can no longer escape and they will not be given that uprightness back. So it's kind of a moot point whether they could in fact accept it because in point of fact, they will not be given it back, according to Anselm. So we have five different classes of this freedom of choice discussed at the end of this text. As I pointed out, one pertains just to God, doesn't really enter into our discussions here because Anselm doesn't clarify that any further, but he has this nice analytic distinction into all these other classes, those who have uprightness, those who don't have uprightness, and then two classes or subclasses in each of those, making a 
total of five. And now you might say, well, why did Anselm go through this classificatory exercise? It was to try to show that he actually has covered all of the different bases, all the different modalities that this freedom of choice, libertas arbitri, could in fact take on. And so that's why he's ending his considerations here with this classificatory scheme of five different types, five distinct types of freedom of choice in relation to its origins and in relation to whether it has rectitude or rightness of will and the modality in which it has or doesn't have it. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.